Thanks for joining our Sunday morning service live stream. We are glad that you're able to join us this morning. We are happy to be a servant of God's word to you this morning. Thanks for joining up. If you're from the Living Waters Church family and you are sick or on vacation, we want to bring you greetings, say hello, hope you are doing well. We pray that this stream would bless you this morning. Thanks for tuning in to hear God's word. If you're outside the Des Moines metro area and you are just tuning in to hear about the gospel of Jesus, we are thankful that you're doing that. We would encourage you to find a good gospel church in your local area, a church that preaches the Bible, loves the, loves the word of God, loves the gospel. We would encourage you to find a local church that you can go to every Sunday. And just a reminder that joining our live stream, though wonderful, is no substitute for the, the real, live, active attendance and participation in a local gospel church. So we would encourage you to find a gospel preaching church near you. And if you're in our neighborhood, we would love for you to come visit Living Waters. We think it's a pretty awesome place. There should be a place for you here at Living Waters. So may God bless you. Thanks for tuning in this morning.
All right, good morning, Living Water. Sorry we run a couple minutes behind here, but let's go ahead and let's stand. Let's get warmed up a little bit here this morning, and let's sing our praises to our Lord this morning, shall we?
this morning. You may be seated. Good morning, Living Waters. Uh, we are glad you're here this morning. And I don't know, I, first of all, I'm Pastor Rob, uh, Pastor of Youth and Connections here at Living Waters, if you don't know me. Uh, and normally right now, I would tell you, also come to the Welcome Center after church and come see me. But as you can see, the Welcome Center is up here. We have uh, some construction going on, and uh, we are excited about that. Hopefully you took the, as Jim Pulse put it, the south side red carpet on the way in. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're excited for all the work that's being done here and uh, excited to see it all finished as well. So the, the top announcements for this morning are, number one, tonight is Kids for Truth Family Night. That is tonight. So parents, you're invited to come with your family. That's from 5 to 6.30. And you get to experience Kids for Truth right alongside your kids. So child care for non-Kids for Truth aged children is also available. So parents, come out, check that out, see what goes on at Kids for Truth on a, on a weekly basis. Excuse me. Number two, Values Night. That's February 19th at 5 p.m. Values Night is if, if you're not a member here and you've just started coming and you want to know more about Living Waters and you also want to eat some good food, uh, come to Values Night. Um, so that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Make sure to, you can sign up for that on the Church Center app as well. Um, and, that's, and that's where you register. And if you don't know what the Church Center app is, uh, see me afterwards and I'll, I'll get you set up. Number three, membership class is March 5th at 5.30 p.m. So if you're interested in becoming a member at Living Waters or just want to know more about what we believe at Living Waters, sign up for the class on the Church Center app or at the Welcome Center. Um, we say that you, you, don't have to, you don't have to come to membership class um, you know, to, to know more about the church, but if you want to become a member, you do have to attend membership class. Okay, so lastly, we don't pass an offering plate around here for offering. We do have uh, offering boxes in the back, or you can scan the QR code and give online if you would like to. Um, and if you want to give to the building fund, you just need to make a notation on the, uh, on the paperwork there. So let's go ahead and stand up this morning, greet each other, get to know each other a little bit. Striving cease, my comforter, my all. 
We're going to go ahead and we're going to continue our time of worship. Let's find our seats. I'm glad we have a wonderful time of fellowship. But let's go ahead and let's find our seats. We're going to pray real quick and then we'll continue our singing this morning. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity that we can come together and worship you, Lord, and through spirit and just to hear your truth being preached to us this morning, Lord. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be renewed uh, with this wonderful message about forgiveness, Lord, that we can hear about. And uh, God, we just want to give you the praise and glory and honor at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beautiful. 
Shit. 
the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to have all of you here. It's Communion Sunday, and I'm very grateful that you guys are here with us this morning. So we're going to read God's Word as we... Uh, Start preparing our hearts for the communion table together. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Starting in verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, giving honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, For the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For your incredible love for us. Lord, it's really cold outside. It's really cold. And you know about that. And God, we thank you for grace on cold mornings. We don't feel great. Or we struggle in our minds. But God, you are so good to bring us together. You are so good to open your word to us. And Lord, I pray that... As we go to the communion table, it is a sacred, sacred moment for Christians to remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we prepare our hearts now. Whatever's going on in our minds, whatever's going on in our hearts, may we make room for the Lord Jesus to come and speak. So God, we ask that you take this word, write it onto our hearts. And do great things for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's cold. Can I get a burr? It's freezing. Um, when you wake up and you look at your temperature gauge and it says zero, you know, it's like, yippee. I'm, I, I, so I'm, I'm already dealing with the, the bitterness issues that I'm going to be talking about in the text this morning. Let all bitterness go. God and I have already had a few conversations uh, this morning. But no, I'm very thankful uh, to see you here this morning. And as we dig into God's Word together and go to the communion table, communion Sundays, as you know, are my favorite Sundays at Living Waters. I love communion Sundays because we get to go to the table in a very special way. As we approach the passage, Ephesians 4, 25-32, the current national debt is over $31.5 
trillion dollars. And all God's people said that's a lot, right? That is a three, one, five, and 11 zeros behind it. That's a lot of money. I went on to usdebtclock.org on Friday. And, and if you ever go to that website, it's fascinating. All the numbers move really, really fast. Most of them in the bad direction, right? And you're just like, this is insane how much money we owe everyone, everywhere, all the time. And so if you are in Des Moines and you're on Fleur Avenue, you know exactly where I'm going next. The billboard that, that displays our national debt as you go to the airport is right there. And then they break it down what you owe per family, right? What each family owes as a part of their uh, the national debt. And every time I look at that, I'm like, oh, have mercy, Lord. <laughs> have mercy. Hopefully my grandkids are rich or something, right? And they can pay this off. Who is going to forgive the debt of America? I have no idea. But here's the reality. The Bible says that you and I also have similar debt clocks. And that debt clock is a sin debt now, John Calvin called the human heart a factory of idols, i.e., your heart and my heart are, are factories of sinful debt. We make debt happen all the time because we sin all the time. And every sinner needs their sins to be paid. Every sinner needs the debt to be paid. All sinners are in need of what is called forgiveness. So we are finishing up our Family Matters sermon series, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it as we've talked about love and connection and confession and encouragement. And this morning, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. The title of my sermon is simply one word, forgiveness. And this is the heart of our church this, this year is to develop a biblical family atmosphere that is healthy. And in order to be a healthy church and healthy Christians, we have to understand this idea of forgiveness. Healthy churches have a great understanding and practice of forgiveness. So first of all, what in the world is forgiveness anyway? Forgiveness, biblically speaking, is a financial term, hence the debt illustration at the beginning of the message. And it means to forgive or to release or to dismiss a debt that is owed. If you forgive someone you are releasing or dismissing a debt that you are owed from that person, and you're doing it willfully. Hear me clearly. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It is not a feeling. So many Christians today are losing their minds because they think forgiveness is a feeling. I have to feel in order to forgive, and that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says forgiveness is an act of the will. You choose to forgive. And you choose to release someone from the debt that they owe. C.S. Lewis had a funny quote. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Amen? Forgiveness is a lovely idea until I have something to forgive. Now, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, is closing up his letter to the church at Ephesus. He wrote this letter in A.D. 62. He's in house arrest in Rome. And, and Paul was a rock star to this church. The church at Ephesus looked at Paul as rock star status. 
Because the Apostle Paul not only helped start the church, but he spent a significant amount of time with this church. This church was very influential, very large, and Paul was the number one hero of the Ephesian church. And Paul is writing and finishing this letter, telling them because of the salvation that they have received in Christ, they are to put off the old man and put on the new man. That is Paul's argument in chapter 4, and he is saying... In salvation, when you have been saved by Christ, chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians say this is the riches you have in Christ. This is the position you have in Christ. These are the riches that you have in him. Because of all of that, put off the old man, praise the Lord, and put on the new man. Put on who you really are now in Christ. Positional living is Paul's um, encouragement to the Ephesian church in chapter 4. Now, being forgiven starts at salvation being forgiven starts at salvation and wouldn't it be nice if that's where it all ended you pray the prayer of salvation you receive the forgiveness of god no more effort needed can i get an amen wouldn't that be nice you know you didn't have to work it out god releases the debt of my sin and it is sunshine and rainbows all the way home to heaven right And all God's people said, what a joke. That's not how it is at all. Warren Wearsby said it this way. He said, conversion is a crisis that leads to a process. Your salvation is a crisis. It was a crisis moment that brought you to Christ that leads to a process. The process of growing in Jesus, which is called sanctification. Sanctification is the growth process by which we understand we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. And we don't just do that once. We do that multiple times every single day of our lives. Can I get a sanctification? Amen. You got to fight your sin. And that is hard to do because the old man is very real and very tempting and very, very attractive to us. And the new man sometimes is hard, and you've got to make hard decisions to grow in Christ. But we are called in Christ to put off the old man, put on the new man. That's called sanctification. Now, what is sanctification in Ephesians 4? In this chapter of Scripture, Paul is saying, here's all that you are in Christ, chapters 1 through 3, chapters 4 through 6, put off the old man, put on the new man, make it practical. What is sanctification specifically in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32? Sanctification in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 is saying no to the old man of bitterness and saying yes to the new man of forgiveness. Genuine sanctification is an atmosphere of forgiveness. If you're growing in Christ, you will find yourself to be more and more forgiving. If you're not growing in Christ and you're giving in to the old man, you will find yourself more and more bitter. And that's the big idea of my message this morning. Healthy churches and healthy Christians have a strong atmosphere of forgiveness. A church that is healthy and Christians that are healthy have a strong atmosphere of forgiveness around them. They're not bitter. They're fighting bitter. Bitterness, they're fighting sin, and they're, they're growing in their ability to forgive. So here's the, uh, the essential questions I want to answer this morning as we dig into the passage. 
regarding forgiveness, how do I forgive? That might be a question going on in your mind right now. How am I supposed to forgive that person or that thing or that situation? And on what basis do I forgive? What's the foundation for my forgiveness of other people? Okay, so we're going to look at those things and answer those questions. First of all, how do I forgive? How do I forgive? The first point is this. We forgive by saying no to the old man named bitterness. We say no. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with, along with all malice. Believers in verse 31 are commanded to put away or to say no to six wicked sins that are listed here. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Now, bitterness is the leading sin in the verse. And what is bitterness anyway? Bitterness is a settled hostility that poisons the whole inner man. Bitterness is a settled hostility in your soul that poisons the whole inner soul. Okay? Here's what I mean. Bitterness is a long-term problem. If you are a bitter person, you have a longer-term problem where you let sin kind of stew inside your heart. All right? Some of you had soup this week. You had really good soup. Chicken noodle soup. Amen. That's good. You had some stew this week because it's cold, or you're going to have some this week. That is a good picture of bitterness. You're letting sin just kind of stew inside your heart. That's bitter. That's how you know you're bitter. Bitterness is a result of being offended and not taking any steps towards communication or reconciliation. That's how you know you're bitter. You've been offended. And you are not taking any steps towards communication or reconciliation, according to Matthew 18. So you can measure bitterness. And there was a good illustration of this yesterday. I'm finishing up running a, a girls' basketball league. And we had little kids' clinics yesterday. We had first and second grade and third and fourth grade. So we had this about, you know, group of 30-some first and second graders in this little gym. And I was helping out coaching. And there was this one girl. She got offended. She got hurt. Her feelings got hurt, and so she stopped doing the drill, you guys, and she went off the court, and she took her ball with her, and then she sat behind a cafeteria table that was up. I mean, you couldn't, the cafeteria table was folded up, so it was like really tall, and you couldn't even see her behind it. She sat behind the wall and the table with her ball, and I'm like, oh, okay. And in first and second grade girls' basketball clinics, this is normal, okay? This is just part of the deal. And three or four of them happened all morning. And I walked over to the girl, and she's sitting behind there, and she's got her ball, and she's crying. And I said, hey, sweetheart, do you want to come and, and rejoin the drill? She's like, no, I don't want to join, rejoin the drill. Yeah, I know, but everybody's missing you out here. We really want you to be here. No. And she just shook her head. And she, tears streamed down her face. Can, I, can we talk about what went wrong? What happened? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. And, and she literally sat there. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to let you be. All right. Whenever you're ready to rejoin, all right, everything that's going on on the court, you come in. Right. But she, that was a good picture of bitterness. She was sitting there. All right. And she was holding her ball and she wasn't going to come out. 
And she wasn't going to take any steps towards any reconciliation with whatever happened. That's an illustration that pictures some of you right now. Some of you are bitter in your spirit. And you've taken your spiritual ball and you've gone to the side of the court called life and you've sat down and someone's offended you and you won't go to them. And you're not helping the problem, you're hurting the problem. And really the ultimate person you're hurting is who? You. You're hurting yourself. Bitterness is that way. And we experience that often. What what are some of the other sins that we have? Wrath. Paul lists the word wrath. This is the explosion of what emotionally has been brewing inside. So this is when there's just this wild rage and passion that that just explodes out of a person. Have you ever seen someone full of wrath? I have. It's really intense. Anger and clamor. Paul also lists those sins, and he says this is just good old-fashioned brawling. So if you guys are brawlers, right, or, or gals are brawlers, you're shouting, public outburst of yelling, you lose control of your body, anger and clamor. Paul says that should be put away from you. Slander and malice are also listed. And they, these sins are evil speaking or general feelings of anger. So this is not an attractive list. Bitterness is the lead sin, and then there's five more. And no one looks at this list and says, what a wonderful set of things to add to my life. No one says that. We look at the, the, this list and we're like, oh my, this is not good. But this list, led by bitterness, is the old man. It's who you used to be before you knew Christ. And this old man represents sinful conflict. This old man represents a threatening of destroyed relationships. This old man represents the the threat to weaken the church and destroy your testimony for Christ. And healthy churches and healthy Christians have learned to say no to the old man. Amen? If you're in Christ, you have learned to say no to the old man. And for some of you, you need to say no to the old man this morning. And you say, no, I am in Jesus now. I don't have to live my life underneath this weight or this payment of sin. Jesus paid it all. He paid all my debt. I don't need to go into debt again. So no bitterness, no anger and clamor, no wrath. No, I, you don't get a place in my mind and my heart. Through Christ, he dwells inside of us. He gives us a new mind. We can say no. Now. This atmosphere of forgiveness begins with a commitment to say no. Just say no. Just say no to drugs, Nancy Reagan, right? The, the 1980s campaign to get kids off of drugs. I remember 1988 going to a Just Say No campaign in my elementary school, and I had the T-shirt and everything, Just Say No to Drugs. And we all just, all the kids rallied up together, Just Say No to Drugs, and like, yeah, and like, Two years later, all my friends are doing drugs, you know, and it's like, oh, man. Healthy churches have learned to say no. You have to say no. If forgiveness is going to thrive in your life and in your family and in our church, we have to say no to the old man, and that will build an atmosphere of health. So how do I forgive? Say no to the old man. Secondly, say yes to the new man. Say yes to the new man of forgiveness. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another. Believers are to be kind to one another, which means to treat others in a fitting manner or in a way that fits. This word means to be pleasant with others as opposed to being hard or sharp or bitter or angry. Why be kind? Because God is kind. God is kind to us. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says that God is kind to the ungrateful. And in Romans 2, 4, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament. It says, do you not know that it is the kindness of the Lord that is meant to lead us to repentance? It's God's kindness. We are kind. We speak kindness because Christ has spoken kindness over our souls. We speak kindly to people because we know that the gospel calls us to have a new way to talk and feel. So believers are to be kind. Believers are also supposed to be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. And this means to feel compassion. We are to feel compassion in our hearts for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Now this word means you feel something in your gut. You feel something deep inside of you. Even this week, I had that feeling as our church walked through a very wild week, my feelings of compassion skyrocketed on Wednesday night and haven't stopped since then because you feel for people. You feel it, right? If you know Christ, you feel for people. And what they're walking through, we are to be tender-hearted. Now, I just read this verse this morning in my devotions in Genesis chapter 43, where Joseph feels this compassion for his youngest brother, Benjamin. You guys remember this? Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers, and now all of a sudden, 20 years later, his brothers come to Egypt, and he's still alive, and they don't know it, and and he accuses them of stealing and all that stuff, and they go back and forth, and he says, go bring Benjamin, your youngest brother, down to me. And they go up, and they get him, and they bring him back down, and when Joseph sees Benjamin, his youngest brother, hasn't seen him in 20 years, he feels this compassion for his brother. It's in his gut. And he, he loses it. He walks out of the room crying because he, has to, he can't contain the level of joy and compassion that he feels for his brother. That's the idea. We as believers should feel that for one another. And believers finally should be forgiving of one another. Forgive one another, which means to give full pardon and cancel any debts that someone has against you. Colossians 3.13 is a good uh, parallel passage here. And to forgive is to release or dismiss another person from something they've done against you. Forgiveness is a decision. You make a decision to forgive. Forgiveness is required of Christians. Did you know that? Forgiveness is required of you. It's not an option. Like, I guess I'll forgive if I want to. No, to be a Christian means you must forgive. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness is hard. It is very hard, but it is required of all believers. Charles Spurgeon said this, Do you find it difficult to forgive the one who has wronged you? Then you will find it difficult to get into heaven. Healthy Christians understand that you got to forgive. If there's going to be an atmosphere of health in your church or in our lives, we have to forgive. Now, here's the reality. We have to have an attitude of forgiveness, 
and we have to be ready for the transaction of forgiveness, and those two things are very different, okay? The attitude of forgiveness is saying, I'm ready, and I'm willing, and I've forgiven that person in the eyes of God. Whether they ever ask me for forgiveness or not, I have forgiven them. I have chosen to forgive them. That is an attitude of forgiveness. You're ready, you're willing to have the conversation because you know what? In this life, if you get hurt or if you hurt somebody else, you don't always get the transaction, do you? You don't always get the conversation. You might want the conversation, but somebody else might not want it. Somebody else might want it and you might not want to give it. The reality is the transaction of the reconciling conversation may or may not happen, but you have to have an attitude that's ready to forgive. Secondly is the transaction. And that's, that's like awesome when it happens. When someone says, I sinned against you, please forgive me. And you say, I forgive you. When, when someone says, when you say to someone, I sinned against you, please forgive me. And they say, I forgive you. That, that is like the best. That is amazing. That's of God. You got to be ready for the transaction. And li- listen, this is the new man. This is the new man in Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, right, he gives you this ability to say yes to kindness, yes to compassion, yes to forgiving other people. And when you forgive other people, you become free and joyful. So on this cold Iowa morning, Jesus paid it all. Your debt, if you know him, has been paid. God doesn't hold you accountable for any of your sin. He has forgiven you, past, present, and future. And this morning, you need to say yes to that forgiveness. Some of you need to be saved. And if you already know Christ as your Savior, you need to start saying yes to forgiving other people. You need to ask God to open your heart, to be tender, to be ready to reconcile, to be ready to forgive, to be ready to be kind. Healthy churches and healthy Christians say yes to the new man. Not only do you say no to the bad, you say yes to the good. And finally, on what basis do I forgive? On what basis do I forgive? The third and final point is this. Believers who are in an atmosphere of forgiveness remember God's foundation of forgiveness. They remember God's forgiveness as God in Christ has forgiven you. Healthy churches and healthy Christians remember this, that God has forgiven them. Healthy Christians remember all that God has forgiven them. And the deeper you know this forgiveness, the more free you will be to give it away. Some of you don't give out forgiveness very well because you don't realize the depth of what Christ did for you. And the more you know the depth of what Christ did for you, you will be more free to forgive. On what basis do I forgive others? On the basis of God. God is a forgiving God. Psalm 103, I'm sorry, 130, verses 3 and 4 says this, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. There is forgiveness with our God. So we forgive others on the basis of God's character. He is a forgiving God. We must be forgiving as well. On what basis do I forgive? Jesus is a forgiving Savior. Jesus said crazy things on this earth. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, he says to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees had their mind blown because they're like, Who forgives sins but God alone? And as Jesus hangs on the cross, blood coming down his body, he said, Father, forgive them in Luke 23, 34. 
They know not what they do. The cross is the clearest picture of spirit-filled forgiveness. Jesus forgives sin by releasing sinners from the penalty of their sin. And how does he do it? By the blood of his cross. Jesus forgives us by the blood of his own body that he shed for us. He paid the penalty for us. That's the baseline of my forgiveness for everybody else. Is I look at what Christ has forgiven me of and I say, I am not worthy of that sacrifice of forgiveness. Now, our, our sin debt is huge. Larger than 31 and a half trillion? Yes, much larger. How many sins do we commit every single day? An untold amount. And, and as I close this sermon, as we go to the communion table, perhaps no scripture is more clear about forgiveness than Matthew 18, 21 through 35, and the parallel of the unforgiving servant. So if you don't know the story, there is a story of this servant who owed his master 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. One talent is equal to 20 years of labor. So if, if, that, if that unforgiving servant, if he was able to pay back for his whole lifetime, he would only be able to pay back three talents for his whole life, 60 years of labor. So this man owed 10,000 talents to his master. That is 3,333 lifetimes of labor. Think he's going to make that up anytime soon? 3,333 lifetimes of labor he owed his master. His master forgave him the debt. And then this unforgiving servant goes out forgiven, and he finds a fellow servant who owes him a hundred days worth of labor. And he chokes him out. And the guy begs for forgiveness and says, hey, please forgive me. I'll pay you back. And the, un the servant said, nope. I'm choking you out. You pay what you owe. The reality that he had just been forgiven 3,333 lifetimes of labor did not register in his brain as he chokes out his fellow servant for 100 days. And Jesus' point is this. If you don't forgive, it's proof that you have never really received this forgiveness. If you've truly received 10,000 talents worth of forgiveness, you should be able to forgive any offense that comes your way. Now, if you and I have 10,000 talents of sin that we owe, and Jesus Christ has come and paid the penalty for us, and we've received that, can you forgive that person? Yes, you can. Can you forgive that friend? Can you forgive that parent and that uncle or that aunt? Hey, can you forgive that person, that church member, that boss? Can you forgive that person who hurt you so much, in Christ, you can. You can. Because Christ has forgiven you of so much. So as we go to the communion table, healthy churches have a strong atmosphere of forgiveness. And communion is just all about forgiveness. It's all about receiving Christ's forgiveness. It's all about giving forgiveness. So as we go to the communion table, I want you to think about your life. What sins do you need to confess before the Lord? What forgiveness do you need to receive? Some of you need to be saved, which is a wonderful time to get saved at communion. You need to make a decision. Some of you need to make the decision to forgive. You need to forgive the person who has hurt you. You need to forgive it and let it go. 
Some of you need to reconcile with other believers in Christ. Maybe there's a believer you need to go to either today or soon to reconcile the relationship. Think, pray, confess, and worship. As we go to communion, we're going to do a little different this morning. I'm going to pray and then just go straight back and line up and get your stuff, okay? Get your bread, get your juice, come back to your chair. As we come back to our chair, we will then have a very specific moment of quiet, okay? At least a minute just of just pure quiet. And may God give us grace to confess and get right with God. So this is your time. I'm going to pray. Head back, get the elements, come back to your chairs, and then we'll partake of communion together. Father, thank you for the, the word this morning. Thank you, God, for grace, the grace of Christ. Jesus, you are so forgiving. And Lord, you have forgiven every true Christian here. You have forgiven so much. And Lord, you're calling us to say no to the old man. The old man of bitterness and yes to the new man of forgiveness. So God, do a great work inside of us as we remember your body and your blood. And Lord, if there's people we need to reconcile with, may the Holy Spirit lead us to reconcile and to forgive and to ask for forgiveness. And God, may we keep our accounts short. And God, may you have mercy over us as a church. God, help us not to remember your sacrifice in vain. Lord, we pray for anybody here that does not know Jesus, hasn't surrendered to forgiveness. Lord, may they be saved. May they repent of their sins and trust in Christ. Lord, do a good work in us as we remember what you have done. Be with us now in Christ's name.
before you. And we just want our hearts to be silent before you, God. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, we release people from the debts that they owe us because, Jesus, you have released us the massive debt that we have owed you through Christ. So God, give us grace, joy, freedom in the gospel to move forward. Lord, with the, the incredible power of forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up. We'll close with the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Amen. Be blessed. You guys have a great day. You're dismissed.
Good morning, Living Waters Fellowship. So glad to see you here this morning. I know it's a little cold, but let's go ahead and let's stand, and we're going to sing to our Lord this morning. We have so many things to be grateful and thankful for, knowing that we have Christ on our side who died on the cross to take the punishment of our sins upon himself so we can be free from our sins. Let's be thankful. Amen. Go ahead. of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. 
We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. we shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. we shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. we shout out your praise. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. You may be seated. Amen. There's joy in the house of the Lord this morning. Good morning, Living Waters. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Rob. I'm the Connections and Student Pastor here at Living Waters. And normally right now I would say, hey, if you're new here, come see me at the Welcome Center after the service. Uh, but the Welcome Center is right there, and I won't be there after the service. I'll be out in the hallway. If you are new here, I would love to connect with you uh, after the service, get to know who you are, and we'd have a little contact card if you would fill that out. That would be great. Um, so the top announcements for this morning is, one, if you didn't open your tax form online and you were giving last year and you want your tax form, there's a table out in the lobby. If you would just grab uh, the one that has your name on it, that would be great. Okay, so tonight, though, Kids for Truth Family Night is tonight. Um, all Kids for Truth parents are invited uh, to Kids for Truth Family Night. That's going on tonight. You get to see what happens at Kids for Truth if you're a parent. So come sit alongside your kiddos tonight. Uh, child care for non-K4T-aged children is provided during that time. Number two, Values Night is February 19th at 5 p.m., February 19th at 5 p.m. You can sign up on the Church Center app. And that is for uh, if, you're, if you're fairly new to Living Waters and you want to get to know more about who we are and also uh, get to know us more, uh, we're going to be at Values Night. We will also have some food. So go ahead and sign up, and uh, we'll have fun together that night. That's February 19th at 5 p.m. And then membership class is March 5th at 5.30 p.m., you can also sign up for that on the Welcome or on the Church Center app, and uh, that'll be just a great time to get to know what we believe here at Living Waters. You can ask questions, uh, and it's a great time to connect. Lastly, we don't pass a plate around here for offering. We do have offering boxes in the back. There's also a QR code you can give online if you would like to give, and uh, and if you want to specifically give to the building fund, you just need to notate that on on the paperwork. So let's go ahead and stand up this morning. It's time to greet each other, get to know each other a little bit. There's a reason why we stand here now for 
All right, Living Waters, let's find our seats. Let's continue standing, and let's, uh, I'm going to pray real quick before we start singing. Um, so let's pray together, and then we'll continue our time of worship and song. Father, thank you for this beautiful morning, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here safely so that we can come together and worship you through song and praise and hearing the teaching and the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, I just pray for our hearts to be focused on you at this point. God, you are so faithful. Lord, we get to sing about the living hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the one who came to earth to live a perfect life that we can never live, died on a cross, and then rose again three days later, and we can praise you and thank you for that, Lord, that knowing that if we trust in your son, that we have eternal life with you forevermore, knowing that we are in a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more, nor, no more torments, Lord, but knowing that we can have a restored relationship with you, Lord. So we thank you for this time. Lord, help us just to focus on you. May we be moved by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing about that living hope this morning. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Amen. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me. Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing it out, church. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. salvation in your name Jesus Christ my living 
behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you found.
and good morning. Good to see all of you guys here this morning. Um, we are in Ephesians this morning, chapter 4. So remain standing for the reading of God's Word. And we'll be reading verses 25 through 32 together. This is the Apostle Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him do labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for an incredible passage of Scripture this morning. Thank you for the singing of your people. God, we come with lots of needs. We come needing to open our hearts to you. We are sinners. We, we struggle. But yet, God, you're at work in our hearts through Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful for salvation. Lord, work out your salvation in us. God, help us to confess. Help us to seek forgiveness from you. And Lord, inasmuch as we have received forgiveness, help us to be generous in pouring it out. Lord, forgiveness is what this world needs. It's what you alone give. And so God, we pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. Help us to hear the word of God. Be changed as we head to the communion table, it's a special, special morning to share in the body and the blood of Christ, to remember all that Jesus has done. Lord, give us grace as we go, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So good morning, good morning, and uh, welcome to church. As we get rolling here with the message, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, and we are finishing up our sermon series called Biblical Family Atmosphere or Family Matters. And so it's been a good sermon series. I've enjoyed preaching. We've talked about love and connection and confession and encouragement. And now this week, we talk about forgiveness. And the current national debt, does anybody know what it is? 31 and a half trillion with a T, and all God's people said, whoa, right, or uh-oh, um, that's 315 and 11 zeros after that. That's a lot of money. I went on the usdebtclock.org website on Friday just to check in on our national debt, and boy, do those numbers move fast. 
If you go on that website, it got all kinds of debt numbers, and it's just like, I'm like, man, that's a lot of moving numbers, almost all of them going in the wrong direction, right? So if you live in Des Moines, you drive on Fleur Avenue, there's that billboard, you know, next to the airport, our total ongoing debt number is right on there, and then it breaks it down just to encourage you on your day and on your drive. It breaks it down, what it costs per family, what each family owes, like your part of the national debt. And every time I look at it, I feel super discouraged because I'm like, oh boy, I hope my grandkids are rich, right? Because it's going to take a long time. Here's the reality. The question that comes is who is going to forgive America their debt? I don't know the answer. All right, I don't know that there is an answer. And when you live in debt, it's not fun. Can I get an amen? I've never met one person in this church that I've sat down and talked finances with who's like, you know, pastor, I'm in debt and I'm loving it. Everybody who's in debt's like, I can't wait to get out from underneath it. I need to be forgiven of my debt somehow, some way. I need to get out of debt. And that is really, if you want to spiritualize where we're going in the text this morning, every human sinner has a debt. And that debt is called sin. And we may not have like a usdebtclock.org website, but every single one of us has a debt that we call sin that needs to be forgiven. The great reformer, John Calvin, he called the human heart a factory of idols, which means that we, by our sinful nature, naturally produce a lot of sin debt every single day. And that Sin needs to be forgiven. And that's the whole point of the gospel, isn't it? That God sent Jesus to pay the debt that we could never pay. To get us out of our debt so that we can live debt free. Now that's the cool part of justification is that God forgives the, the repentant sinner. Now here's the, here's the hard part though. Every day... There is a temptation called the old man, and we'll get to that in a little bit, that wants to pull us back into the debt that we were free from. And we need to be very careful about how we work out our salvation and how we live as Christians because the temptation to get back into debt is daily. Moment by moment, there's all this debt that we incur because of our sin and, and our sin, our old man, who we were before Jesus, is like, come on, man, it's not that bad come back into debt, and we need to be very careful. And that is why this topic of forgiveness is so important for us to know as Christians and as the church today. The forgiveness, what is it, first of all? Let's just define uh, this, this sermon that I'm going to preach, which is entitled Forgiveness, by the way, one word title. Here's what forgiveness is. What is it? It is a financial term, and it is it means to release or dismiss a debt that is owed. It means to release or dismiss a debt that is owed. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It is not a feeling. Some of you need to hear that very clearly. Some of you are waiting, waiting for the feeling of forgiveness, right? As soon as I feel it, then I'll forgive, right? That is an unbiblical idea. The word is a willful word. You have to choose to forgive before you ever feel like forgiving. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. You have to choose it. You have to will the choice. 
to forgive someone uh, who has wronged you. Now, C.S. Lewis had a funny quote here. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. <laughs> Can I get an amen? It's really lovely when it's uh, somebody else's life, but when it comes down to you forgiving someone, then it's not so lovely anymore. It's not so cute. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church, and just some quick background. He wrote this letter in AD 62, and Ephesus was one of his favorite churches. It was one of the largest churches and the most influential churches that he started. And he was in Rome under um, house arrest, and he was writing this letter to encourage the church to live up to the position that they had in Christ. Okay? If you read Ephesians, chapter 1, 2, and 3 is all about the riches you have in Christ, the position you have in Christ, the power you have in Christ, and the power of the gospel in your life. Chapters 4 through 6 is practically, here's how you apply all that you are in Christ. So if you're reading Ephesians, chapter 1 through 3, you'll be like, there's nothing applicable here. Right, exactly. Keep reading. Chapter 4 through 6 is all about application regarding the divine truth that you read in chapters 1 through 3. And Paul is talking about forgiveness at the end of chapter 4, and that is where we're going to focus our time this morning. Being forgiven starts at salvation. Being forgiven starts at salvation. And wouldn't it be nice if that's where it all ended, right? Wouldn't it be nice to pray to God, get the forgiveness, get the debt forgiven, and the rest of your Christian life is all sunshine and rainbows and heaven, right? Wouldn't that be great? And all God's people said, that's not how it is. That's not how it is at all, right? We get forgiven, and Warren Wearsby said it really well. He said, conversion is a crisis that leads to a process. Conversion is a crisis, it's a moment that leads to a process called sanctification, called growth. If you are alive and breathing and you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, the rest of your life is called a process called sanctification. And it is a messy process. Can I get an amen? This, there is nothing clean and, and wonderful about sanctification. It is, it is hard. It is difficult. You've got to grow. You've got to make decisions. And Christ is changing you, conforming you into the image of himself. And that is a process. What do I mean? Well, I mean, it's kind of like how you walked into church this morning, right? When you walked into church this morning, you're like, oh, we got red paper on the ground. Where's my coffee cart? I heard, I've met some of you panicked coffee cart people before the church. Where's it at? Is it around the corner? It better be around the corner or else there's going to be violence in this place, right? And, and, and everything's not the same. It's under construction, and we praise God for the progress. Amen? It's cool. It's awesome. But for one week, we have sanctification going on in our building, right? There's a lot going on out here, so it's a little less comfortable than it normally would be. And for those of you who are used to this, don't worry. Everybody else is fine. We set up and tore down church for 11 years, right? We're good. This is great. We're in our own building. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. Sanctification is the process. Sometimes it gets messy in your life where you take off the old man, you put him away, and you put on what Paul calls the new man, who you are in Christ. That is a progression. It's never going to be perfect, but it should be progressive, progressively um, moving in the right direction. Now, what is sanctification? 
in Ephesians chapter 4. What is sanctification? It is, it is realizing, right, all that you are in Christ and applying it. So basically, in verse 31 and 32, it, sanctification is saying no to the old man and saying yes to the new man. That is literally what we're talking about in regards to forgiveness. You have to put off the old man called bitterness. And you got to put on the new man called forgiveness. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got to put off that bitterness and you get to put on that forgiveness. Guess which one is going to be more enjoyable for your life long term? Forgiveness, right? So we're going to work on that this morning. And here's my big idea as we approach the text. Healthy churches and healthy Christians have a strong atmosphere of forgiveness. When you are part of a healthy church, everybody's forgiving each other and everybody's repenting and everybody's confessing on the regular. That's a good, healthy church. When you're a healthy Christian, you are confessing sin and receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. That is a good and normal thing. That is a healthy sign if you are giving and receiving forgiveness. And I would say if there's an atmosphere that we want this year at, at Living Waters, it is an atmosphere of forgiveness. Because you know what? We're going to sin against each other. What are you going to do? When you get sinned against and you get offended, what will you do? By God's grace this year, we're going to give and receive forgiveness to the glory of Jesus. Amen? Okay, so here's a couple of questions I want to answer as we approach verse 31 and 32. Regarding forgiveness, how do I forgive? That might be a question you're asking. How in the world am I supposed to forgive somebody? How does that even work? And on what basis do I forgive them? On what foundation am I supposed to stand on to forgive someone who has hurt me? Okay, here's, here's where we're going to go. How do I forgive? Number one, you have to say no to the old man called bitterness. If you are going to forgive somebody, you have to say no to the old man called bitterness. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Believers are commanded to put away or to say no to six wicked sins, bitterness leading the way. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice, all these things are there. What is bitterness? Bitterness is the settled hostility that poisons the whole inner man. Bitterness is a settled hostility in your heart that spoils your whole inner man or your soul. Here's, here's some illustrations of what, what that can look like. Sports-wise, I forgot, because my NFL team stinks so much, I forgot that this is even a big day, right? And all the Chiefs fans are like, you sinner. This is a huge day for my man Patrick. Can I get a Mahomes amen, right? Right, it's a big deal, big game. I totally forgot it. You know why? Because I'm a bitter Bears fan. Jim Pollock knows what I'm talking about. Jim Pulse knows what I'm talking about. All you sad, sorry little Bears fans out there, you know there's bitterness in our heart. There's a settled hostility inside of us that is poisoning our NFL soul. Okay. That gives you a picture. Bitterness is when you let sin stew inside your heart. Bitterness is also the result of being offended by somebody else's sin and not taking any steps towards reconciliation. 
How do you know if you're bitter? You've been offended, but you're unwilling to go reconcile with your brother or sister in Christ. That is a sign of bitterness. Here's another illustration. Just yesterday, um, I'm finishing up running a girls basketball league. And we had first and second graders and we had third and fourth grade girls doing little skills clinics yesterday in the gym. And so I was helping out the first and second graders, which is super entertaining, by the way. And we have all these girls running around, shooting baskets, dribbling, doing all this stuff. But one girl got offended by another girl or something, maybe a coach, that asked her to do something she didn't want to do. And she took her ball, and she walked over to the side of the gym. And we have these big cafeteria tables that are all folded up on the side of the gym. And she took her ball, and she snuck behind one of those cafeteria tables, and she sat down. You couldn't even see her. She was just sitting right behind the table. And somebody came up to me like, hey, there's that girl over there. I'm like, what girl? She's sitting behind the table. She's sitting behind the table. What in the world? So I go over there, and she's just, she's looking straight ahead. I said, sweetheart, what happened? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Like, uh, you should get back in with us and have fun. We're here to have fun. And, And she's like, no. Like, okay, did someone hurt your feelings? What happened? I don't want to talk about it. This first and second grader is like giving me the 411, right, on how things are going. And I'm just, I appeal to her a couple more times, but it's clear she wants to make no movements whatsoever to reconcile with the situation. So I let her just sit behind the cafeteria table. And I'm like, whatever, we'll see you later, right? It's a good picture, a word picture, of what bitterness can look like inside of our souls. We take our spiritual basketball and we walk over to the side of the gym and we sit down behind the layer of table of our bitterness and we don't let anybody come talk to us about anything. And other Christians and God and Jesus talk to us and say, you need to get right with XYZ person. We're like, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to stew in it. For some of you, I just described your heart, your life, your struggle. Bitterness is really dangerous. What else did Paul say? Wrath. He listed wrath. Wrath is this explosion of what emotionally is brewing inside. That's wrath. Wrath is this wild rage and passion. You ever seen somebody full of wrath before? I'm sure you have. Right? Maybe you've been that person. But anger and clamor, that is just good old-fashioned brawling. That's what that is. That's a fist fight, shouting, public outburst of yelling, losing control of your body. It's what Chiefs and Bengals fans are going to do to each other this afternoon. Anger and clamor. Slander and malice is more of the quiet sins where you go to a coffee shop and you gossip or you speak evil about somebody behind their back or a general feeling of anger. That is the old man. All of this bitterness and wrath and anger and slander. And Paul said, this is what needs to be said goodbye to. You say no to this. You know what will destroy your life and your joy as a Christian? All of this sin right here. Because nobody looks at this list and says, oh, what an attractive list of things to add to my life. Nobody says that. 
everybody's like, yeah, that's terrible. I don't want my life to look like that. But yet, that's the old man that tempts us to say, oh, hey, live this way. Do this thing. You remember before you knew Jesus, how you were bitter all the time and anger and full of slander and all that stuff? Let's come do it again. And you give in to the old man or the temptation is there. And that's what Paul's saying. If forgiveness is going to make a difference in your life, you have to say no to that. You have to say no. And you can say no because Christ is in you. Amen? When you're saved, Jesus is in you, and greater is he than he who is in the world. You have the power and the ability to say no because you are putting off the old man and saying, I don't need that anymore, and I can embrace forgiveness in my life by saying no to that garbage. So healthy churches and healthy Christians say no to the old man. How are you doing this morning? How are you doing saying no? to the anger and the bitterness and the wrath and the malice that you feel in your heart towards another person. By God's grace, that's how you can forgive. That's how you start forgiving, is saying no to the old man. Secondly, how do I forgive? You say yes to the new man. Say yes to the new man, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. Believers are commanded to be kind to one another, which means to treat others in a fitting way. Treat other people in a way that fits them, okay? Be kind. That means your words need to be pleasant as opposed to being hard, sharp, and bitter. So instead of chopping somebody's you know, head off with your words, being kind is taking effort through the Holy Spirit, through Christ's power, to be kind to another person. Be kind. You hear that all the time. But how do you do that? Well, you're kind because God is kind, right? In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, God is labeled as kind to the ungrateful and evil men of the world. And in one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, Romans 2, 4, Paul says, did you not know that it is the kindness of the Lord that is meant to lead you to repentance? What leads you to repentance? Getting your head chopped off by somebody's harsh words, or is it the kindness that breaks the bone? It's the kindness that softens the heart. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Some of you, and I don't know why I'm being led to say this, but I'm just going to say this to parents. Some of you are really harsh with your kids. And the harsher you get with your words the more you want them to turn out a certain way. And as a pastor, I just want to say, you're probably going to drive them to the opposite of the result you want. It is your kindness that reflects God's heart. It is your kindness to your kid that would bring them potentially to repentance, not your driving force nature. And I just want to encourage you, be kind, right? Believers are also commanded to be tender-hearted, which means to treat others with compassion. This word means to feel something in your gut. That's what this word means. Be tender-hearted means to feel something deep inside of you. Many of you know we've had quite a week at church, quite a week, and there's been an, an incredible amount of circumstances that have happened, but we 
have felt, I have felt since Wednesday night, this, this compassion in my gut. For who? For people. Because we care. We care about each other, and that's what we should be feeling for each other all the time as Christians, a tender-hearted spirit for those who are suffering, those who are in relationship with us. We should feel it in our guts. I just read it this morning in my devotions, Genesis chapter 43. Remember Joseph's story? Remember that guy Joseph? Seeing the dreams, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me, and they, they sell him into slavery. And then he, he moves his way up. God exalts him. And then 20 years later, his brothers show up in the middle of a famine, and he sees them, and he feels amazing emotion, but he, he treats them really harshly. And then he sends them back. He says, hey, don't you have a youngest brother? Oh, yeah, Benjamin. Yeah, you bring him back to Egypt. And when they bring him back to Egypt, it's been 20 years since Joseph saw the face of Benjamin, his youngest brother. And when he sees Benjamin's face, he feels compassion. Same word. He feels this deep, gut-level love for his youngest brother. And he can't even control himself. He loses it, runs out of the room, and has to compose himself and come back in. That is the feeling we should feel when we forgive other people. We should look at the hearts and souls of the people that we love and do life with, and we should feel a level of compassion for them. Finally, believers should be forgiving of one another. We should be forgiving other people. Colossians 3.13 says we should forgive or pardon or cancel the debts of those who have sinned against us. Now, how many of you have been sinned against? Every, every hand goes up, right? Every person in here has been sinned against at one point or another in your Christian life. What do you do with that? What are you going to do when you get hurt, when you get offended, when you get sinned against? Well, forgiveness, remember, it is a decision, not an emotion. You choose to forgive long before you feel like forgiving. Secondly, forgiveness is required of Christians. If you're a genuine Christian, it's required of you that you forgive those who hurt you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness is hard, but it is required of all Christians. And, and if you can't forgive, like if you just hold bitterness in, you can't forgive, you proclaim that you know Christ, you need to check your heart and the reality of your confession of faith. Because forgiveness is absolutely required to go to heaven. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, do you find it difficult to forgive a person who has wronged you? If you do, you will find it difficult to get into heaven. That's a big statement. Here's what I mean. You have to have the attitude of forgiveness and the transaction of forgiveness. You've got to have both. You've got to pray for both. First of all is the attitude. You don't always get the conversation in this life, do you? If you get hurt... The ultimate re resolution to that hurt is to have a conversation with someone where you give and receive forgiveness. That's the best when that happens. But that's not always possible in this life. So therefore, you have to have an attitude of forgiveness towards those. You have to take people to the altar and, and lay them down at the feet of Christ and say, I give them to you, Jesus. I forgive them in my heart. I forgive them in your sight. And ultimately, I release them. 
with the hope that someday God might be gracious to give you a conversation with someone where you can reconcile. Does that make sense? I have a list of people that I'm praying for all the time. I've been praying for for years that God, I, I, I forgive them in my heart. I have an attitude of forgiveness. If you ever allowed a transactional conversation to happen, I would be overjoyed. But that's what we have to have as Christians. We have to say yes to the new man. We have to be willing to say yes to the new man. The old man is only going to destroy us. It's only going to steal our joy, the bitterness, the anger, the malice, the wrath. We can say no to that, and we can say yes to the new man, which is a whole new step of joy. We can forgive those who have hurt us, and that's as a sign of a great church. A great church and a great Christian is a person who is saying yes to Jesus and saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Thirdly, and finally, on what basis do I forgive? On what basis or what foundation do I forgive? This is the third point. Remember God's forgiveness. Remember God's forgiveness. As God in Christ forgave you, we are to forgive in the same way as God in Christ forgave us. So a healthy Christian is one who remembers how much they've been forgiven. How much have you been forgiven? For some of you, you're like, I remember and I thank God. And here's the big, huge amount of sin that I've been forgiven of. And I'm just here and I'm so thankful. Some of you are right there. For some of you, you're on the verge of committing the sin of forgetfulness. You have forgotten how much God forgave you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I got forgiven. But that was years ago. That was my salvation time. That was really a great season. But, you know, I've kind of graduated from that, and I've kind of forgotten how deep in trouble I really was. That's my prayer for most of you this morning. Most of you have forgotten, or you're on the verge of forgetting, how much you have been forgiven. The foundation of us being forgiven is God's forgiveness of us. And the deeper you understand, the deeper you remember the forgiveness you've been given, the more freely you're going to give forgiveness to other people. Okay? The deeper you understand your own debt and, and how God got you out of debt, the more free you're going to be in giving out forgiveness to other people. Because you can't keep a grateful person down, can you? When you are so thankful for what Christ has done, your joy will spill out in the forgiveness of other people. Jesus was this way. He forgave sins. Nobody forgives sins but God alone. And yet in Matthew 9, 2, he looks at the paralytic and he says, My son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees lose their mind like, who is this guy forgiving sins? Nobody can do that except God. And then Jesus hangs on a cross with blood coming down his body. And he says this most amazing word. He says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Jesus pays our sin debt. How big is our sin debt? Bigger than $31.5 trillion, I can tell you that right now. And Jesus took it all. And there's two things I want to say to close the sermon, and we'll go to communion. The first one is this. Perhaps no scripture is more clear about what this looks like 
than the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. The parable of the unforgiving servant. If you don't remember this story, I'll tell you and give you the summary. There was a servant who was, he was in debt 10,000 talents to his master. 10,000 talents he owed the master. And he goes to the master and he says, please forgive me of my debt. And the master graciously forgave this servant 10,000 talents. You're like, 10,000 talents? I have no concept what that even means. Big deal. 10,000 talents gets forgiven. Let me give you a, a picture of the scope of this. One talent, one talent is equal to 20 years of labor. So in your physical life, you could probably repay three talents, 60 years of labor. This man owed 10,000 talents, which if you're doing the math at home, that is 3,333 lifetimes of labor. You think you're in debt. <laughs> How about 3,333 lifetimes of income that you owe the master? And he comes and he pleads and the master forgives this man. And then he goes out forgiven and he finds a fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii. He owes him a hundred days labor. And he comes up to the guy and he starts choking him out. And he says, pay me what you owe me, pay me what you owe me. And the, and the other servant is like, dude, give me some time. I'll pay you back a hundred denarii. I'll get it to you. And the guy says, no mercy, right? No mercy. Pay me what you owe. And it was a really grievous thing. Like he had just been for forgiven 3,333 lifetimes of income. And he's choking another guy out for a hundred days worth of work. And Jesus tells the parable and he says, so it is with everyone who does not forgive his brother from the heart. You guys, when we understand we've been forgiven the 10,000 talents, we can't go around choking around other believing brothers and sisters in Christ for 100 days worth of labor. We cannot do it because it doesn't, it's not in step with what we've been forgiven. And I close with this story. Louis Zamperini was a World War II air bomber. Some of you know his story well. I read his book, Unbroken, about 10 years ago. Still one of the best books I've ever read. But he, his plane was shot down in the Pacific Ocean. The guy survived miraculously, fended off sharks for weeks as he floated across the Pacific Ocean. He was not a Christian. He floats all the way across the Pacific Ocean to where? I mean, there's a lot of places you could land. He literally floats into the Japanese army camp to which they arrest him as a prisoner of war and they beat him for the next two or three years of his life. The absolute jarring nature of this story is unbelievable. You can't hardly believe it's true, but it happened. He is beaten so badly by the Japanese officers that he, he fears for his life. He's down to 80 or 90 pounds. 
The Allies end up winning World War II. He gets miraculously rescued from this Japanese encampment, comes back to the United States, and you can imagine he has marital problems when he gets back. At night, he wakes up from, from nightmares, choking his very wife because he is picturing the, the, the guard that beat him so badly, and he's so angry and so bitter in his heart that he can't imagine moving forward with life. He starts drinking a lot, gets drunk all the time, until one day he gets invited to Los Angeles, California. There's some young guy named Billy Graham preaching. And he hears the gospel of Jesus Christ that God will forgive any sinner who repents and believes in his son, Jesus. Louis Zamperini fights it. He doesn't believe in Christ the first night, but he comes back the next night. Doesn't believe the next night, comes back the next night. And on the third night, Louis Zamperini gives his life to Jesus Christ. Transforms his life. He goes from a danger, he stops drinking, he starts, instead of mistreating his wife, he loves his wife. And at the very end, like 15 years later, he goes back to Japan to forgive the guards who beat him so mercilessly for two years. How do you explain that? It's the divine power of God to empower any person who's been hurt to give forgiveness because they have received forgiveness. So can you forgive that friend and that parent and that uncle and that person and that church member and that boss? Can you forgive that person? Yes, you can. By the power of God Almighty, you can live a life of forgiveness. As we go to the communion table... Churches who are healthy and Christians who are healthy have a strong atmosphere of forgiveness. So we're going to do communion a little different. We're going to pray, and then everybody's just going to go back and get their elements right away. So we're going to save our meditation time for later. Just want you to get in line and get through. But communion is for believers in Jesus. It's time to reflect, to think, pray, confess, and worship, and to forgive. So if some of you need to get right with God and get forgiven... It's a good day to get saved, right? But some of you need to forgive the people that have hurt you. Some of you need to be reconciled, maybe even this morning, to a brother and sister in Christ who there's been an offense between you. Get it right before God. Don't take the communion elements in an unworthy way. So I'm going to pray, and we'll all get our elements. We'll come back, and we'll have a really cool, quiet time together of meditation, confession, and communion. So let's pray. God, thank you for your grace, mercy forgiveness. Lord, we go to the communion table now, and we are so thankful for Jesus and what he has done. But Lord, there are some Christians who I'm, I'm sure are struggling to remember the depth of sin that they were rescued from. God, would you please remind them in a fresh way all that they have been forgiven of? May you use communion to speak very powerfully to our souls. Lord, some need to get saved, so would you lead some to Christ for the first time, repentance and faith, belief in Jesus. Lord, some brothers and sisters need to get right with each other, need to reconcile, need to give and receive forgiveness. Would you lead that to happen as well? God, would you be so good to us as we go to your table, Jesus, to remember your body, and your blood. In Christ's name we pray.
Father, we pause. Be quiet before you and think. Think on. Jesus, you gave your blood as a ransom for many. We are undeserving, but grateful, thankful for the forgiveness that you freely give. We pause because it's good for our souls to stop and to slow down. Christ, for your great gift of salvation and forgiveness to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Apostle Paul wrote, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand, and we'll close up together, close up the service. We're going to sing this. The chorus of Jesus Paid It All. So sing that with me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's good to be forgiven. Amen? Amen. Go and live that out in the newness of Christ. May blessings be upon you. Go Chiefs, I guess. And Niners. And uh, cheer for the Iowa guys. Go Purdy and Kittle. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.